Well, I don't know how, some of you worked late, or, or like maybe you worked last night, and some of you worked night shifts, and you just come dragging in this morning. I kind of feel like you, maybe. Uh, I stayed up way too late last night watching baseball. Um, I don't know why I do that to myself, but I stayed up last night watching my beloved Yankees lose in the ninth inning um, after a, yeah, go ahead. And um, uh, my dear friend, Zach, who is uh, a Houston fan, brought me this today. All right, so I love it. So I'm preaching at Campus Collective in a few weeks, and this will be my, uh, I'll wear this uh, that's that, that Tuesday to, to, to celebrate Zach's team. So now, Houston is an incredible team. Like, to make a great team, you have to have certain things. There's certain signs or marks of a good team. And, and they, they kind of like, you check boxes. And they, they have it. They have incredible pitching. Uh, and, and so for baseball in the playoffs, you really got to have good pitching. That's like the number one thing is great pitching. And they, you can check that box. Uh, they've got timely hitting. They've got some really good hitters. Um, and, and so you can check that box. Uh, tremendous defense. And you, if you stayed and watched the game, you saw that. So you mix those kind of three things, great pitching, um, hitting, and defense, you're going to win a lot of games, and, and that's what they were able to accomplish. And so, um, there's, but there's marks of great teams, and I think the Lord has left us with uh, marks or signs of a healthy congregation, and so that's what we're looking at this week is uh, signs of a healthy congregation. So if you brought a Bible with me, turn to Exodus um, and we're in, we're going to finish up chapter 17 and do all of 18. And we're going to be looking at signs of a healthy congregation. So I enjoyed preaching at Canova last week. Um, and even normally when I preach at Canova, I also have to preach at First Baptist Ashland, which is just stressful for me to preach, get in the car drive to Ashland, preach, like as soon as you get in, you preach, and then as soon as you say amen, you get back in the car and then drive back to Canova and preach that, but Canova, uh, Ashland um, uh, had uh, Mackie Gaskins preach last week in Ashland, so that was so good for my soul just to see him preaching and then for me not to have to just be stressed and drive from one place to another, so I just preached at Canova last week, so it was just a sweet time just to be with with our brothers and sisters there, but I missed you guys. I just missed being here with you, uh, and so this morning, I'm picking up right where Steve left off last week with uh, the striking of the rock of Exodus 17, so we're picking up in verse 8 of chapter 17. It says this, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, 
So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in the book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. And then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel, and that he had delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw, saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice, and I will give you advice. And God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, 
and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but the small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Let's pray. Father, this morning we... Uh, We're thankful for your word, just the power of it. I pray even as it's been read this morning that uh, your Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of us, that we will be convicted of sin, those of us who need to be encouraged would be encouraged, Lord, we trust that you would work, that you would speak through your word this morning. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Signs of a healthy congregation. So there are a, a ton of books out now on what is a healthy church, what is a healthy church member. We have some out in the lobby even. Um, uh, and, and so this is not going to be an exhaustive list of what all makes up of a healthy church. There are many things. Um, if you just want a good resource for that... Um, uh, there's a ministry called Nine Marks Ministry. There's nine marks of a healthy church. And uh, you, you can read much more from, uh, from Nine Marks Ministries than I'm going to be able to expound from one sermon from these two chapters. But I do see some, some similarities here of what, a, what should a healthy congregation look like. And I think that's what we all want. We, last week, um, if you remember, there was... There was attacks from within. Remember, the people were grumbling. And maybe some of you, you've been a part of church where the attacks come from within the walls. And, and it's just, you, people are grumbling, there's divisions. Is that ever fun? It's, it's never exciting. No one ever wants uh, to be a part of a church like that. I've been a part of churches like that. There's been seasons where this church has been like that. Um, and so we want to know, we should want to know, what are, what are the signs of a healthy church? A healthy church, a healthy congregation is going to be a light for this world to see, much like a healthy marriage. Uh, it's, a, it's a demonstration of God's attributes here on earth to represent who He is. And so this morning, I, I think there's four signs, three clearly, one implicitly, I think, um, show us signs of a healthy congregation. So the first one uh, is that a healthy congregation relies on God's power. And you see that in chapter 17, in that 8 through 16, that battle um, 
where Amalek or the Malachites uh, were fighting with the Israelites. So here, you know, last week we saw opposition from within. Here you see opposition from without. They had left Egypt wandering around the wilderness, and maybe they seemed vulnerable, and the Malachites attacked them. Uh, what we need to see from this is just this, this is an incredible story that's more than just some tribal conflict. Uh, this goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. See, the Malachites, they were descendants of Esau. Israelites were descendants of Jacob, and Jacob and Esau were brothers. And Jacob got the blessing, Esau uh, was not, did not have God's favor and uh, they, they fought, sibling rivalry, they fought, 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 um, which goes back to Cain and Abel, that uh, Cain killed Abel, Abel was, he found favor in God's eyes, and Cain was jealous because he felt his offering should have been accepted, and so he was mad at Abel and killed, killed him. And so this is the same thing, this is the idea of, uh, of the children of God versus the children of man, uh, that in a church, we are going to face opposition. And I think far too often, we think opposition is flesh and blood. That is not our opposition. This is a picture here of, of a spiritual battle, that you have an enemy who hates you, that Satan and his demons do not like you. They don't, they don't like that you're here this morning. They don't like that you're hearing the word of God, and they want to do everything they can during the week to keep you from praising God. Now, Oftentimes, and I would say most of the times, that's by just having you to have just a, influencing you to have just a, 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 a mediocre week. Demons do not want you to have uh, a low moment, because many of you, think of your low moments, where do you turn? You turn to God. So demons don't want you having too low of a moment, because they know that when you hit your knees, you may turn to God. They also don't want you having a great moment because in those great moments, you're praising God for what he's done. They just want you to get up, go to work, go to class, come home, make dinner, eat dinner, do dishes, and just call it a day. And you get up the next day and hit repeat. They don't want you thinking about spiritual things. And some of you right now might be freaked out because I'm actually talking about spiritual things and you don't like to talk about spiritual things. We don't think about spiritual things enough. And the Bible is clear that we have an opposition against us, and it's not flesh and blood, but it's the prince of the power of the air, that Satan hates us, that he wants to be like God, and he hates that you worship God and not him. And so this is a picture of this congregation of Israel relying on God's power for victory, that um, they went out to fight. Um, and Moses has his hands up. He, he got tired, and uh, as long as he was holding his hands up, they were winning. When his hands dropped, um, they began to lose. And so some of his friends came along, Aaron and her, and just held his hands up. And, and, and you see clearly here that God is the one who gets the victory. That we can't point to Moses, it can't be because Joshua chose certain men, but it was God who has the victory. And as a church, a church needs to rely on the power of God, that we trust that God is the one who brings victory. He's the one who brings fruit. 
And so it's not about um, our efforts in and of themselves that bring victory. It's about God, but we're trusting on Him and relying on Him that He brings victory. Uh, we need to understand that it's not about how we do church, that it's not about our methods, our pragmatism, that is the reason our church is growing. Uh, we've seen tremendous growth in the last several years, uh, and, and um, it's not because we're, we have like slick marketing schemes, and there's a lot of churches that will do whatever it takes, and they'll use that phrase, we'll do whatever it takes to get people on Sunday morning. That, that makes me shake. Like, that, there's something, I don't know, just like uh, troubling to me about that, that we'll do whatever it takes to get people in here on Sunday mornings. May, may it never be so about us, that we want to do what honors the Lord, and we'll trust that He will add to His number. It's not because we have cool marketing schemes or whatever. Uh, I know of churches that, uh, you know, they'll do smoke, you know, to, to create this cool mood, and then the band will come out to the la- latest new pop song or rock song, uh, and just, you know, get, get the crowd going. Um, that's just not who we are. That can be them, and, 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 and that might be where you fit in, but that's not what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to start by lifting up His name, not... not trying to get the right feel. Uh, there's no way that I can move your spirit. We trust that God moves the spirit of man. And so we're not going to do cool stuff just to get some kind of emotional vibe out of you. Uh, we're going to try to do our best to be Christ-centered, elevate Him, make much of Him, Christ-honoring, and then we'll let him work in your hearts. Um, but saying that, I, I, I don't want to swing the other way, which I think a lot of churches have also done, to where we just say, like, we're going to preach the word and leave the results up to God. Uh, that's true, but sometimes what that creates is this culture of laziness. You, you see here clearly... That God's at work, right? Like, we know why they won. Because for whatever reason, God chose to use this method. That when he held up his hands, that was brought victory. Why? Why? That was just to show the people that they were relying on God. Okay? But notice that God used them. Could God, could have this battle taken place the same way? Where Moses said, hey guys, let's... um." God's going to fight for us. We'll just trust him. We're allowing God's power. And let's just go up on this hill and watch God just like zap all the Malachites with lightning. Could that happen? I, sure, why not? Do you remember the first battle that they fought when they, when they go into the promised land? You remember that battle? What was the battle? Battle of Jericho. Did it take a lot of skilled soldiers? To win that battle, it took obedience is what it took. They never raised the sword, and they won that, that battle. God uses the means for victory is his, is his people. And here, I love that he includes his people. 
they got to be a part of the victory. The quota for lazy Christians has been met. We need no more of you, okay? We need people who want to lay down their life, who want to work hard and go to bed exhausted. And there's far too many people claiming Christ but just need to take a break and rest. God gave us a day of rest, not a week of rest, okay? We need to work hard throughout the week so that we actually can take a rest on Sabbath. And so we need no more lazy Christians. And here, I just think, again, I like to put myself in this situation. You're Joshua for a moment, okay? And Moses said, hey, Joshua, choose some men and go out and fight. I'm going to stand on the hill and hold up my staff. Anybody with me with how would you feel? You're Joshua. And Moses said, hey, Joshua, you go get some men. You can pick them out. But you go and fight. I'm going to go up on the hill. You know, at one point, does Joshua like, uh, I don't think that sounds like a very good idea. What else can we come up with? But he goes. And so Joshua goes. He grabs the men. And they actually go out and fight. They don't just watch. I think sometimes we think Christianity is we're at the, you know, we're over in the zone watching football and we're just cheering on the team. Let's go herd. And God's saying, get on the field. Get involved. Stop clapping your hands and cheering. Lay down your life. It's worth it. And I think he allows us to be a part of it because once we get a taste of that victory, man, doesn't it taste sweet? And I remember kids camp this summer, just being involved in that, working real hard. Those were long days. But then seeing those kids just praising Jesus, uh, it's awesome. I mean, and then just watching like Andrew and Izzy picking up some of those kids, that you didn't pick those kids up prior to kids camp, right? That started at that moment. It's taken um, months, and I just, I, I love that you didn't say, well, we did that kids camp. But you, you're still involved in our life. We are called to lay out our lives for the sake of the gospel. There's a battle going on for souls. And I think sometimes we're just spectators. And we have to get involved. But as we're involved, we need to rely on God's power. That we're trusting in Him, that He is victorious, and we're just along for the ride. And so a sign of a healthy congregation is that we would rely on God's power. That we wouldn't think it's by our efforts, by any kind of pragmatism that we have, that we've kind of figured it out to how we grow a church. We grow um, a congregation by relying on God's power. Secondly, we see from this passage is that a, a healthy congregation obeys the Great Commission. Let me start first with what is the Great Commission, because some of you, you may have never heard that phrase. Some of you who have heard that phrase think, well, that's not in the Old Testament. So let me just clarify. 
the Great Commission comes from Matthew 28. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, his followers, and he says this to them. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So here it's a command. It's not a, an option or suggestion. Uh, it's a command to go make disciples of all nations. So here it's a command, Matthew 28, but this is an Old Testament concept. Uh, this goes all the way back to Abraham when God says, I'm going to make you the father of, 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 of many. Um, you're going to have stars in the sky you can't number and this idea that he's going to be the father of the nations. Uh, and, and so God has always been about the nations. You could even go back farther than that in Genesis. Go back to Genesis 1 when all mankind was created in his likeness. So if all mankind is created in his likeness, then there, that means every nation has value and worth and dignity. And it doesn't matter what skin color we have, you have the likeness of God. And therefore, because of that, we should feel that they have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. There are people who have never had a chance to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. And that should burden us. A healthy congregation should be burdened for the nations. And so here, this is beautiful, back in Exodus 18, um, we, we um, meet Jethro again. Jethro comes back into the picture. Uh, we saw him earlier when Moses fled Egypt. He met some, some ladies who invited them uh, home, and, uh, and Jethro was um, Moses' future wife's father. And so we, we've met Jethro before, but now he comes back into the story. Jethro, you remember, he was a priest, um, um, but, but not of Israel. Um, and, and so here's this picture of Jethro, who is, who is a man respected in his community, and he's praising God. Look in verse 1 of chapter 18. It says, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. And so Moses was sharing what God has done in his life to Jethro. So a healthy congregation is one who is speaking about what God has, has been doing in your life, that people are hearing. Jethro heard the news. Do people around you hear the news of what God is doing in your life? A little later, verse 9, after hearing all this news, Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians. So we know what good news that Moses was sharing is that God had delivered them. Verse 10, Jethro said, blessed be the Lord. Now this is, again, remember all caps, Lord, is Yahweh, the, the God of Israel. Blessed be the God of Israel. Who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Because of this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. 
Jethro heard the testimony of Moses, and his spirit was moved to where he began to praise Moses' God. And here's this picture of, of Israel and the nations coming together to praise God's name. Uh, that's a beautiful picture for what a healthy congregation should look like. A healthy congregation is all about the Great Commission, that we are concerned that the Gentiles, the nations, aren't praising God. That we go to them, we share the good news of what God has done for us, and they will hear that news and they will praise God. Verse 12. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. So here you see Moses worship. He's bringing sacrifices before God. So now we see Jethro worshiping the God of Israel. It's beautiful. Now I'm not encouraging you to do missionary dating, okay? I'm not encouraging you to date somebody so you can marry them so that their father-in-law will one day become, your father-in-law will become uh, a father of Christ. That's not what I'm suggesting would happen, but this beautiful picture that we share the good news and leave the results up to God, God brings people together. And so let me just encourage you about what God is doing around the world. Here's a picture of, um, there's some people from our church, members, Dave and Whitney Kephart. So Dave and Whitney um, are members of this uh, church, and they have, have just said, hey, we love um, America, but we know that there are people around the world that have never heard the name of Jesus. So they are in the Middle East in a place where most people have never heard of the good news of Jesus. And so you see they've taken their children and, uh, and, and trusting in God's um, sovereignty. Uh, I know a lot of you parents are already going, man, that's just not safe to take your kids to the Middle East. Um, you know, things happen even here, and they're just trusting the Lord that the Lord has numbered their days, whether that's in the Middle East or in Huntington, and so they're there in the Middle East and um, just engaging in the community, and um, I spoke with Dave this week, and he just said that if we would just um, pray for them, pray that, uh, uh, that they would honor Christ in their family. Uh, that that culture uh, would see a difference in how they relate to one another from their culture. Uh, and Dave has a cool opportunity. He works with, like, um, sports, and so that's his way to get in the country. It's a closed country. He can't go in as a pastor. And so he, is a, uh, he works for, like, a sports company, and he is um, uh, doing different uh, sport like he's teaching them how to play American football and so that's kind of his avenue of, of work and so they're learning Arabic and so he said please pray for our school that we would continue to grow in our in our skills of commu communication uh, and so they are there and, and and we're not sure when they're coming home if, if ever uh, they've just taken it one day at a time and trusting the Lord uh, and so uh, be praying for them but uh, they, they believe the Great Commission. Uh, they're being obedient. Um, and, but the Great Commission is not just in the Middle East. It's, it's here as well. 
there's a little girl up my street. When we were doing, um, I think I may have shared this uh, a few weeks ago, when, when we read about Moses um, and the burning bush, that Sunday I went home and uh, a little girl from just right up the street was at my house and I was, I was out actually burning some brush and, um, and, I just, and I just said to these girls, I said, hey, have you ever heard of the story of Moses and the burning bush? Because they were watching the fire and the girl said, I've never heard of Moses. I'm like, this is just right up the street in Huntington. She had never heard of Moses. And so the Great Commission is here as well. Like, we're, we're all on mission. Um, we have to be just ready uh, to, to always be willing to go, whether that's up the street or to another country. Uh, and then I also want to uh, show one, one more picture. Uh, this is Alex. Uh, she's on the right. Alex uh, is in the last of two years of um, being overseas. She's in North Africa. And many of you probably know Liza, the one on the left, more, because Liza is a member here who's here every week. But you notice she's not here today because she's actually with Alex. She went to North Africa to encourage Alex. Alex is doing incredible things, but she's learned how lonely it can be being away from community. And so Liza went to encourage her, to spur her on to not quit, that she has a few months left. And, uh, and there were moments where she wanted to come home. And um, many of you have just rallied around Alex and just said, just keep going. Like, you can do this. God's at work. And so that's where Liza is today. She's in North Africa encouraging Alex. I'm okay. Uh, so uh, a healthy church obeys um, uh, the Great Commission. Uh, it's something that we just want to do. And part of that Great Commission is not just going out, but it's observing all that Christ has commanded us. And, and so it's about, we want to obey. We want to be uh, people who seek after purity, holiness, righteousness. And so that's what a healthy congregation looks like, that you have personal purity in your life. That, that you're not just, hey, I come to church on Sunday morning and then just go live however you want. The Great Commission is about obedience. That those who come to Christ obey Christ and all his commands. Not part of them, but all of what Jesus commanded. So that's wrapped up in to obey this Great Commission. That's what a healthy congregation looks like. That we care about missions. So we're in the time of year. Dustin mentioned about nominations. We're coming up to where you guys will be voting on our budget for next year as well, next month. And in our budget um, that we're trying to um, put together to be approved by the congregation, uh, we have about uh, roughly 20% uh, of all the giving goes to missions. Uh, we, we want missions to be important, that we're just giving, and we've increased it, I think, this next year. Um, uh, uh, roughly about, it depends on if we approve it or not, about $40,000 uh, will go towards missions. Isn't that incredible that you're a part of that? So like both Alex and Dave and Whitney didn't have to raise a dime to go overseas. The whole entire thing is paid for. They have medical insurance. They have a, a, they have a salary while they're there. Uh, and it's because you guys are such good givers. 
that when you put money in that box back there, that money goes to places. Like part of that money that you, if you've given today or will give today, part of that is going to the Middle East. Isn't that cool? Part of that money is going to North Africa. I love that. That's incredible. We, have, we support missionaries who are in Thailand, Malaysia right now. Uh, and, and so uh, it's incredible. It's so encouraging. That's, that's you guys. You guys are generous. That's part of a healthy congregation. Number three, healthy congregation shares ministry responsibilities. A healthy congregation shares ministry responsibilities. Uh, so Jethro, he, he begins to um, make sacrifices to God, and then you see him start to contribute. He contributes with advice, with counsel to Moses. I mean, this is Moses. He's the man, and Jethro comes in and starts to give him counsel. And I love that Moses, this leader of over, you remember, there's over a million Jews that came out of the Exodus. And so he's, a, he's the guy for over a million people. And here Jethro is giving him counsel. And I love that Moses is humble enough to receive it. Leaders are humble enough to receive advice, counsel, wisdom from others. Moses, he didn't say, oh man, who are you to tell me how to lead Israel? You, you, like, I'm, I'm the one God chose. Who are you, Jethro? But he listens to Jethro. He, he, he knows that Jethro has had success, and he listens to his counsel, and he, and, and, and he implements his advice. I love that picture. And you see the advice that, that, that um, Jethro gives him in 17 18. Uh, he says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. Now, what was he doing? Moses was dealing with everything. He said, if someone had a dispute, they would bring it to me, and from morning to night, I would deal with it. And Jethro says, that's crazy. What you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for this thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Verse 21, he says, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. A healthy congregation cannot be led or, or done by one person or a few. A healthy congregation shares responsibilities. Uh, I, I love that we're a church that shares responsibilities, even from, from the elders. I'm not a senior pastor. It's not just me. I share that burden and role and responsibility with Bruce and Joe. Um, and, and then just the day-to-day -day ministry, there's staff, but I know the staff relies on help from others. It's shared responsibility. Uh, we all contribute. If you are a member of this church, there's an expectation for you to get your hands dirty, that you're doing something, that you're involved in some ministry. 
uh, I'm so thankful that it's not just a few people that do everything. Now, there's times where it may feel that way. And so I would encourage you, on that green card that says that Connect card, if you don't have a personal ministry right now, uh, I would encourage you to look at one of those options and how can you connect. Um, just even give you some, like if you're like, I'm not really sure. If you are like hospitable, uh, you love to serve people, there are a couple areas right now we really could use your help. One is after the service, there's um, people who help with food, just create snacks, opportunities for us. They would love to have some help. Um, that way it's just not them every week. It's, 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 they can you know, rotate, be on a rotation. Uh, it's so much easier if you're not doing it every week. Uh, children's ministry, volunteers, uh, the hospitality team. Uh, there's so many areas. If, if you're not sure, come talk to me. I would love to say, how, you know, how's God wired you? Where are your giftings? And how you can serve in those. Uh, there's so many. Don't just say, well, I just don't know how to, I just don't know how God would use me, so I'm just not going to be used. Let me help you. Let others help you. Ask people, you know, what am I good at? Um, and then just get involved. Uh, this is a model in the New Testament. As the church grows, you need help. It happened in Acts chapter 6. The church was growing in Acts 6, and people were coming to the apostles who were serving as, as these leaders, pastors uh, in the church. And, and just like Moses, they were saying, we just can't do all this. People are coming to us, and it's stuff that need to be dealt with, but we know that other people could be dealing with it, that, that it just doesn't need to be us. And so in Acts 6, church is growing, and it says the 12, these are the apostles, they, they summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit of good wisdom. That's why we even have you guys nominate your leaders. Uh, it's not the elders. We don't just pick our leaders. Me, Joe, and Bruce aren't in a room doing like some fancy football draft with church members. Um, we want you to nominate leaders. Why do we do that? Acts 6, verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you. So we want you to pick out from among you men of good repute. And that's what Dustin was talking about. Don't just pick out people who are cool or popular or good businessmen. We want them to have a good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we appoint uh, to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the apostles weren't saying that that's not a worthy job. They just said, other people can probably do that, probably do it just as good as them, if not better. And every time that they had to deal with it, it took them away from the responsibility that God had given them. Uh, and so I love that this church, when I was hired, this church has done everything to help me do verse 4. And Joe and Bruce has been so good to say, hey, we want to make sure you're doing verse 4. Now, I know you like to do the work parties and uh, do work around, like I love construction and working on the building, but they don't really want me doing that Monday through Friday uh, 
they remind me like, hey, don't worry about the building. It will get done. I want you praying for our people and studying the word of God. That's what God has called you to do. Let others come alongside you and do these other things. And then in Ephesians 4, we see this is kind of the idea of what the church should look like, a healthy congregation. And it says that this is the gifts to the church. He said, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God gave these leaders, the pastors, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Part of the elders' role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That part of my role is to encourage you to, to the work of ministry. That it's not just me doing it all. And sometimes pastors, they're put in bad situations. Either some pastors love to do it all, and they want to have their hands in everything. And part of the reason is, is because then people can praise that pastor and say, oh, our pastor works so hard, his he does everything. He's always busy doing these things. Um, and I'll just confess, there are moments where I, I feel I'm guilty of that, where I want the praise of man, uh, that I want to have the pat on the back, oh, you know, good job. And, and God just rips those things from me and says, I, you cannot just seek after the praise of, of men, uh, that, that you need to let and celebrate other people. Let them do it so they can be celebrated uh, and then there's some pastors who in churches expect them to do it all and I've been in churches that have operated that way where the pastor does it all we hired you to do it pastor and so that's why we hired you so we don't have to do it anymore we'll come and sit on Sunday and listen to you for a certain amount of time and if you go too long we're leaving and uh, and um, you you're going to do it all that's why we're paying you to do it. You, you are our employee. And that's not biblical either. Uh, that it's, it's about shared ministry. That we're all in this together. We have different roles. The New Testament uses some different metaphors. One is the body. You heard of the church called the body of Christ. The body has many members. And so that's talking about like your body. Like you have hands, feet, a head, legs. And they all have different roles and responsibilities. So it is with us. We all chip in. The fourth um, sign is not as explicit as the other three. But it's here. It's, all, it's really the story of, of the Exodus. Is that a healthy congregation desires regenerate membership. That a healthy congregation desires regenerate membership. Now, what do I mean by regenerate membership? So here in this story, these are Israelites. But we'll see in the New Testament that Paul would say not all of the Israelites were true Israelites. That in this congregation, over this million people congregation of Israel, it was a mixed congregation. That some of them were true Israelites, some of them were Rebels, they were just externally Israelites. Uh, Romans 2, for those of you in community groups, maybe you've gone through this. Um, Romans 2, 28, 
This is Paul's point. He says, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. But the Spirit, not by the letter, His praise is not from man, but from God. So Paul is trying to show us that in this Exodus story, there were millions of Jews, but not all of them were true Jews. You know, they were all externally Jewish, at least the men were circumcised, and so they looked Jewish, but in their hearts, they weren't circumcised, that they had uncircumcised hearts. Uh, and, and a true Jew is one who heart was circumcised, uh, and a true follower of Christ is one whose heart has been changed, whose heart has been transformed, who has repented of their sin, trusting in Christ for salvation. And, and so that's what regenerate membership is, is that the true members of this church are those who, who have true salvation. In this congregation today, it is probably uh, true that we are a mixed congregation, that there are people in this congregation who have a changed heart, that you love Jesus and what he's done for you. But then there's some of you in this congregation uh, who don't love Jesus. Maybe you like what Jesus has done for you, but maybe you don't praise him. Um, you love the gifts of Jesus more than you love Jesus himself. And so you're not a part of the, what Paul would say is the true church. Um, that, that you externally look like you might fit in, um, but maybe you're not a part of the, what the theologians would call the invisible church. Uh, and that means you're part of this church globally that, that's all those who truly love God. So as a church grows, people come in the membership. We're going to recognize some new members today. Uh, and, and we try our best to guard membership for those who are regenerate. Um, and what that means is we want to make sure that they are, to the best of our knowledge, that they are truly safe, that we don't allow people to come in as members just because it's kind of a, a maybe it looks good for a, maybe as a business move. Um, there's a lot of churches that function that way, that you are a member of that church because it looks good for your business or for relationships. I'm not concerned that being a member here helps your business. We want you to be um, a true follower of Jesus. And so we try to guard and, um, and um, help this church have a regenerate membership list. Now, how do you have regenerate members? Uh, you, that you receive people who've trusted in Christ, um, who uh, uh, um, um, uh, look to the hill. And I, and I love this picture that you see in, in, in um, Exodus 17. I mean, you, you clearly see the gospel here. Like, you see Moses standing on this hill. And as his arms were stretched out, raised, you see him giving judgment. Uh, like God is giving judgment on the Malachites through Moses. 
through Jesus' arms outstretched on another hill, you see him not giving judgment, but receiving judgment. That he took the judgment on himself. And so that's what we mean by regenerate membership, that, that you're looking to Jesus for salvation. And so um, this morning we're going to recognize some, some new members after we sing some more. And they're looking to Jesus. They're not perfect people. No one in this church is perfect. We've all sinned, but true followers of Christ repent of their sin. We don't try to hide it and cover it up. We repent. Uh, and, and so uh, that's what we expect, and that's what membership looks like. So you repent of your sin. You trust Christ that he took your sin, and that now you try to be obedient to all that he's commanded you to do. And that's, that's it. So uh, if you've never done that, then we want to invite you today to respond to that good news, uh, that you would trust Jesus for salvation. If you'd like to do that, I would love to talk to you. I'll be just standing in the back or talk to whoever invited you. Um, we're hopefully going to have a baptism next week. And so uh, if you recently have trusted in Christ or today want to trust in Christ, then one of those steps of obedience is baptism. Uh, so if you would like to be baptized, also put on that Connect card. You want to be baptized, we'll reach out to you this week. I'm going to invite the band to come back. We're going to keep singing and celebrating. I'm thankful that we are part of a church that cares about the health um, of this congregation. And I pray that you all help with those efforts, that uh, we have difficult conversations, uh, that we are praying for one another, encouraging one another, so that we can have a healthy congregation. So I'm going to be standing in the back. If you would like prayer for anything or just want to talk, I'll be in the back.